Hello, and welcome to the turbulent world of Middle East soccer, or Middle East soccer podcast. I'm your host, James Dorsey. What do a planned $15 billion Saudi investment in petroleum-related Indian businesses and a controversial boxing championship have in common? Both reflect the world in which power and economics drive policy, politics, and business at the expense of fundamental rights. And both underscore an emerging new world order in which might is right, a jungle in which dissenters, minorities, and all other others are increasingly cornered and repressed. Rather than furthering stability by building inclusive, cohesive societies, both support trends likely to produce an ever more unstable and insecure world, marked by societal strife, mass migration, radicalization, and violence. A world in which business capitalizes on decisions by a critical mass of world leaders who share autocratic, authoritarian, and illiberal principles of governance, and often reward each other with lucrative business deals for policies that potentially aggravate rather than reduce conflict. No doubt, the planned acquisition by Saudi Arabia's state-owned national oil company Aramco of 20% of the petroleum-related businesses of Reliance Industries, one of India's biggest companies, makes commercial and strategic economic and business sense. Yet, there is equally little doubt that the announcement of the acquisition will be read by Indian Prime Minister Narendra Modi days after he scrapped the autonomous status of the troubled majority Muslim region of Kashmir as a license to pursue his Hindu nationalist policies that discriminate against Muslims and other minorities and fuel tensions with Pakistan, the subcontinent's other nuclear power. The ultimate cost of the fallout of policies and business deals that contribute or give license to exclusion rather than inclusion of all segments of a population and aggravate national and regional conflict could be far higher than the benefits accrued by the parties to a deal. Underscoring the risk of exclusionary policies and unilateral moves, cross-border skirmishes between India and Pakistani forces erupted this week along the Kashmiri frontier, in which at least five people were killed. The timing of the announcement of the Aramco Reliance deal in a global environment in which various forms of racism and prejudice, including Islamophobia, are on the rise, assures Indian political and business leaders that they are unlikely to pay an immediate price for policies that sow discord and risk loss of life. Like in the case of Saudi and Muslim acquiescence in China's brutal clampdown on Turkic Muslims in the troubled northwestern Chinese province of Xinjiang, the most frontal assault on a faith in recent history. 
the announcement risks convincing embattled Muslim minorities like the Uyghurs, the Kashmiris, or Myanmar's Rohingya, who are lingering in refugee camps in Bangladesh, that they are being hung out to dry. To be sure, Kashmiris can count on the support of Pakistan. But that is likely to be little more than emotional, verbal, and political. Pakistan is unlikely to risk blacklisting by the Financial Action Task Force, an international anti-money laundering and terrorism finance watchdog, at its next scheduled meeting in October by unleashing its anti-Indian militants. Anthony Joshua's controversial fight with Andy Ruiz, scheduled for December in Saudi Arabia, the first boxing championship to be held in the Middle East, pales in terms of its geopolitical or societal impact compared to the Saudi-Indian business deal. Fact is that Saudi Arabia's hosting of the championship has provoked the ire of activists rather than significant population groups. The fight is furthermore likely to be seen as evidence and a strengthening of Crown Prince Mohammed bin Salman's selective efforts to socially liberalize the once austere kingdom. Nonetheless, it also reinforces Prince Mohammed's justified perception that Saudi Arabia can get away with imprisoning activists who argued in favor of his reforms, as well as the lack of transparency on judicial proceedings against the alleged perpetrators of the killing of journalist Jamal Khashoggi in the Saudi consulate in Istanbul. Saudi Arabia insists the killing was perpetrated by rogue operatives. What Saudi investment in India and the scheduled boxing championship in the kingdom have in common is that both confirm the norms of a world in which humane authority, a concept developed by prominent Chinese international relations scholar Yang Shui-tong, is a rare quantity. Mr. Yang employs the concept to argue without referring to President Xi Jinping, Xinjiang, China's aggressive approach towards the South China Sea, or its policy towards Taiwan and Hong Kong, that China lacks the humane authority to capitalize on U.S. President Donald Trump's undermining of U.S. leadership. Mr. Young defines a state that has humane authority as maintaining strategic credibility and defending the international order by becoming an example through adherence to international norms, rewarding states that live up to those norms, and punishing states that violate them. Garnering humane authority enables a state to win allies and build a stable international order. Mr. Young's analysis is as applicable to India and Saudi Arabia as it is to China and others that tend towards civilizational policies like the United States, Russia, Hungary, and Turkey. It is equally true for men like Anthony Joshua's promoter, Eddie Hearn, and business leaders in general. To be sure, Aramco is a state-owned enterprise and subject to government policy. Nonetheless, as it prepares for what is likely to be the world's largest initial public offering, 
Even Aramco has to take factors beyond pure economic and financial criteria into account. At the end of the day, the consequence of Mr. Young's theory is that leadership, whether geopolitical, economic, or business, is defined as much by power and opportunity as it is by degrees of morality and ethics. Failure to embrace some notion of humane authority and reducing leadership and business decisions to exploiting opportunity with disregard for consequences or the environment in which they are taken is likely to ultimately haunt political and business leaders alike. Said Mr. Young, since the leadership of a humane authority is able to rectify those states that disturb the international order, the order based on its leadership can durably be maintained. What is true for political leaders is also true for business leaders, even if they refuse to acknowledge that their decisions have as much political as economic impact. Thank you for joining me today. I hope you enjoyed the podcast. A written version of this podcast is on my blog, The Turbulent World of Middle East Soccer, at mideastsoccer.blogspot.com. Please join me for my next podcast in the coming days. All the best, and take care.